0: chapter thirteen of the apostle of alaska the story of william duncan of metlakahtla by john w arctander this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by phil shemph the religion of the tsimsheans whenever a tsimshean saw a phenomenon in nature as a precipice a tidal wave etc he considered it a spirit a god and sacrificed a piece of salmon or something to propitiate the spirit but these were only sub deities. He recognized the great spirit above them all, a good spirit, the heavenly chief. His name for heavenly chief was Shimoget Lahaga, the first word being the word used for chief generally, as chief of a tribe, and Lahaga meaning literally above. I cannot find any legend distinctly attributing to this heavenly chief either the creation of the world or of man except as far as the idea can be made out from the following two legends the first one related to me by john tate a very intelligent and lovable tsimshean indian of metlakatla who in his youth belonged to the dog-eating club really has more to do with earthquakes and the primitive indian idea of what causes this natural phenomenon but curtly recites the creation of the earth by the heavenly chief as if it were a well-known and established fact THE MORAL CERTAINTY WITH WHICH THE ONCE MUCH MOOTED QUESTION OF THE EARTH BEING FLAT IS ESTABLISHED IS AMUSING. MR. TATE'S STORY IS THE HEAVENLY CHIEF BUILT THE EARTH. IT WAS ROUND BUT FLAT. HE HAD BIG PILES AT ALL THE CORNERS OF THE EARTH ON WHICH IT RESTED AS A HOUSE DOES. BUT AFTER A WHILE THE PILES GOT ROTTEN. THE HEAVENLY CHIEF HAD A BIG FAT SLAVE he tells him to put in new corner-piles under the earth, so that it shall not fall down. He was very strong, this slave. He goes and gets new piles, then he strikes with his big heavy hammer on one of the old piles to get it out of the way, and he strikes so hard that the earth trembles. That is how the earthquake comes. The other legend has reference to the creation of man, and runs as follows. The heavenly chief once said, whoever can first get a child the rock over there or that elderberry bush of that child shall man be the rock was a little slow so the elderberry bush became the first with child therefore man is weak and sickly and dies if the rock had come first man would have been like the rocks which nothing can destroy mr duncan says that at noss river an indian showed him the rock that tried but failed in the race they evidently believed that the heavenly chief was immortal, that he observed all that was going on among men, and that he frequently was angry, and punished those who were bad. They had very remarkable and advanced ideas about prayers, as will be apparent from the following, told me by Edward K. Mather, a prominent Metlakahtla Indian. Long before Mr. Duncan came, our people knew and spoke of the heavenly chief before sitting down to meals the father of the family always took a small piece of the food and putting it on the fire burned it and said for thee o heavenly chief the first my grandfather used to tell me if i wanted anything very badly if i desired success or anything like that or if i was sick and wanted to get well to go alone out into the forest and speak to the heavenly chief about it he said i must be low in spirit poor in heart humble and meek and look up and ask the heavenly chief, and I would get what I asked for. Sometimes, when calamities were prolonged or thickened, they became enraged against the heavenly chief, and vented their anger against him, raising their eyes and hands in savage wrath to heaven, stamping their feet, and saying to him, "'You are a great slave!' This is the strongest term of reproach their language has." it may be here noted that the tsimshean language has no expression for any kind of an oath when the tsimshean wants to swear he must have recourse to the english language like almost every people on the footstool they have several interesting legends about the great flood besides the one already given i record the following told me by mrs lucy a booth of metlakahtla as it is somewhat different from the one recited by mr duncan given in another chapter a long time ago the tsimshean people lived far away from here and the people were very bad the heavenly chief did not like them and told them to be good but they did not care then he got angry and sent a big tide bigger than ever had been before and it rained heavily so much indeed that the people got their canoes out and the tide came up high so that all the mountains were under water except a big mountain peak near wrangle And there came a big storm and all the little canoes were swamped only the big ones got through and they tied them up to that peak and when it came low tide again the tsimsheans could not find their way back so they came south to Nass river they had a distinct idea of a life after this their word for die is sever or part the same word which is used of a rope when it breaks under a strain they fed the dead for some time till they should be able to find food for themselves in the spirit land but this food was burned in front of the dead so as to give spirit food to the spirit they claimed that when a person was about to die he could see the great chiefs who had departed before him and who now seemed to stand ready to receive him even to the present day mr duncan well knows what they mean when they come to tell him that a sick person has seen somebody this is to them proof positive that he is dying when at an early day mr duncan asked them if they had any proof that the dead still lived they told him the following true story of the man with the wooden wife at old metlakatla lived a childless couple they loved each other very much and were always together whenever they could be everybody spoke of how much they loved each other once the man went out on a hunting trip he had been gone only three or four days and when he came back it was night and dark he saw a big fire at the chief's house and knew there must be a feast there but he was lonesome for his wife so he steered for the beach in front of his own house after pulling the canoe up he went into the house it was dark but at the fireplace he saw his wife sitting on a box he spoke to her but she did not answer him when he went up to the fireplace she turned her face away from him and when he spoke to her again, she still did not answer. He then felt very badly, as he understood that his wife must have done something wrong, and she dared not speak. So he went out again, pushed his canoe into the water, and paddled about five or six miles, when he landed, and camped for the night. But his heart was heavy, and he did not sleep. The next morning, in paddling back to the village, he met a canoe coming from there. As is the custom of the people, he stopped and asked them for news they told him that his wife was dead and that she had been cremated outside the chief's house the night before he was very sad for then he knew that it was his wife's spirit he had seen the night before and not herself as she was then dead after that he always lived alone and never married again though he was a young man after a while he got a block of wood and carved out of it an image of his wife sitting down on the box as he saw her that night and everybody said it was an exact likeness of her face and figure this wooden woman he kept with him in his house and also took her with him in his canoe wherever he went the tsimsians had very pronounced ideas of reincarnation and of what might be called soul transmigration numerous legends go to substantiate this claim one is to the effect that a woman had a relative who was shot in the breast in a fight shortly after she gave birth to a son with a red spot on his breast at the identical place where the relative had been shot she and her people were positive that the old man had come back to life again in that baby boy another woman had an uncle who died soon after she gave birth to a boy with a peculiar mark on his thumb like one which the uncle had Sabasa, a Tsimsian chief, had a brother killed in a fight by a blow from a spear, which tore the flesh from his shoulder. His niece, shortly afterwards, dreamed that she saw her uncle, and soon after gave birth to a boy, who had a mark on his arm, like a wound, in the same place where her uncle was fatally hurt. But a more remarkable story is this. The Tsimsians once made a raid on a village up Skeena River, and killed all the inhabitants. Only one man escaped, he ran up into the mountains and was making his way to a neighboring village to tell the fate of his friends when he came to a clear lake on the top of the mountain being thirsty he took a drink and at once became unconscious the next thing he knew he was lying on his mother's lap a little baby he could not talk at all but he remembered well about the fight and about his running away it was then found out in some way that he really was the first man slain in the fight in order to test whether he really was that man he when he grew up went to dig in a place where he remembered to have buried some gambling tools shortly before the fight and right enough there he found them just where he had hidden them they also have a clear idea of a future punishment they think that a bad man is punished by getting food which is out of season for instance salmon after the proper season which no tsimshian will eat when he has his choice the tsimshean worships the moon when it comes forth in the night he holds up his hand and says allo Kwatlia, we can see you walking or you walk in our night mr duncan tells how he once witnessed an enactment of the moon's phases one night it was a dark and cloudy one as the tide was at its lowest one of the clubs of the halyed congregated in a house and rushed to the shore with a great noise their noises are never yelling only but something different for different things like college yells i was out on the gallery of the fort and saw the shadows moving then appeared on the shore some distance from the gathering a moon at first it was at the quarter then it waxed larger until it was half then three-quarters and then full then a man appeared in it i think that it was made of thin deerskin like parchment with a light inside the moon then pretended to move down towards the crowd. At this all the Indians commenced to cackle. It sounded like the yelping of a pack of wolves. All at once, the man and the moon answered them, I thought. Then the moon waned, and finally disappeared altogether, and the Indians rushed back again to the house with horrible yells. End of Chapter 13